In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. When I was little, my mom used to tell me stories about the places that she had gone and the places that she had lived in her well-traveled life. And one of them was a story about her time in Morocco. And actually, it's a story about the end of her time in Morocco, when she had bonded with the camel that she spent time with. And she called her mother, my grandmother, and said, can I bring the camel home? <laughs> Now, I'm sure all of you, most of you at least, have seen a camel at some point in your life in person, either at the zoo or in your own travels. They're rather large, often smelly. <laughs> um, they're interesting sort of looking creatures. They're sort of majestic in some way. I'm always reminded that they're majestic whenever I see them in person. Um, kind of funny looking, to be sure, but they certainly have a purpose, don't they? they they can do some cool things, right? They can move carefully and slowly through the desert, carrying their own water, kind of doing their own thing. They are gifted in their own way. God made them sort of interesting. But I can't say as I blame my grandmother for her response, which, by the way, was no. I can imagine her sort of on the receiving end of that phone call, looking out at her property in suburban Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, and thinking to herself, where would we put a camel. I'm not sure that my mother ever forgave my grandmother for that, and by the way, she's probably watching. My mom joins us virtually most Sunday mornings, and so I'm imagining right now she's tapping my stepfather's arm and saying, but I really loved this camel. And she's not the only one who loves camels. Jesus has some things to say about camels this morning as well. This text is a tricky one for a lot of reasons. There's more in this gospel than I could possibly attack in one sermon. But the camel piece is where I sort of ended up heading this week as I was preparing for our time together because it's, it's a popular enough passage. I mean, if you've been to church a couple of times in your life, you've probably heard it a couple of times. And it's also a passage that we hear from time to time in the movies and in pop culture. It pops up in part, I think, because it's a very concrete image that's really easy to see, right? We can all very easily detect the difference between a camel and the eye of a needle. Right? There, obviously, there's a size difference there. And also because I think there's a, a little bit of a, a rub, right? Jesus is sort of um, giving us something harsh, which I think often is how Jesus is portrayed in pop culture. When we find him elsewhere, he's, he's usually quoted sort of as being kind of harsh. And if you just took that one part of the text, then it sounds pretty rough, doesn't it? There's more to the text, and we're going to talk about that, but that part sounds pretty rough. I think. If you look just a little bit further, we get the nothing is impossible for God bit. So hang on to that because that part is important. God has done more amazing things than bringing a camel through the eye of a needle. So let's look at this interaction that we have between Jesus and this man. Let's start there. He Jesus is going somewhere. It seems to me like there's motion in the text, right? Jesus is on his way somewhere. And this man runs up to him. Now, first of all, I can't remember the last time I ran up to talk to anyone. In fact, I'm not sure that's something I've ever done in my life. So I'd invite you to think back and figure out when the last time was that you ran to catch up and talk to somebody. So there's some urgency here for this guy. He's eager to talk to Jesus, who's surely on his way somewhere else. 
and he has this question that he wants an answer to, which is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in the movie, in my head, that I often see when I read the Gospels, Jesus is kind of moving and kind of talking to this guy, and the guy says, you know, what must I do? And Jesus says, well, you know the law, right? You, you know the law. These are all the things that you need to do. And the man says, basically, Jesus, I've already done all of those things. And at this point, I imagine Jesus stops. He stops moving, and he looks at the guy. And for the first time, he really sort of is, is taking this man in, because that would have gotten his attention. I've already done that, right? Notice what's not in the text is Jesus saying, uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> so there's some truth to what the man is saying. He has studied. He has lived a good life, apparently. He's tried to be righteous and holy. Otherwise, Jesus probably would have called him out on that and said, mm, no, not really. You still have some work to do. But instead, he sort of takes at face value the fact that this man has tried to do the work, which is admirable. And so Jesus looks at him in this moment, and the text tells us he loves him. He looks at him, and he loves him. And I have to imagine that in that moment, he sort of sees him for all that he is, right? God incarnate is able to see the beginning of this man's life and the end of it. Every moment in between, the failures, the triumphs, the mistakes, the sins, the goodness, the moments when he tried. And he looks at this man and he says, you lack one thing. Go and sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor. Now there's a couple of things to note about this. And the first is, the thing that Jesus talks most about in the Gospels consistently, if you go through and you add up the topics, the thing he talks the most about is money. So the money piece here is important, and we can't ignore it. We have to contend with it, especially those of us who live in Fairfield County, right? This is an interesting place to hear this text, because most of us have more than we need. Not all of us, most of us. And still, probably a lot of us don't identify with this guy. It would be really easy to just sort of look at him and say, well, he probably has more than I do, so Jesus isn't talking to me. But the truth is that the money piece is important, and Jesus talks about it, a good bit in the Gospels. And the reason he does that is because it's so often an obstacle for us. The reason that we hear about money from Jesus is because he knows there's something dangerous and tricky in that relationship. And that seems to be true for this man in the Gospel. This is the one thing, the one thing that Jesus sees when he looks at him that he thinks is a boundary, that he thinks is an obstacle to this man's faithfulness and holiness, the one thing that, you know, sort of is the breaking point of his love and obedience, the thing that if you pushed him on it, he would choose instead of choosing to love God and his neighbor. So that's a big deal. That's a tricky thing. And Jesus points at that, and the text tells us that the man goes away grieving because he has so much to give up. Now, truthfully, I have to imagine that if I, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but if I went to Jesus and I asked him that question, what must I do? I have to imagine that there would be more than one thing. So before we're too hard on this man, it's important to know that he, he tried. He was following the law. He was, he was doing all of the things he was supposed to be doing. I have to imagine that for me and for many of us, if we went and asked that question, there might be a laundry list of things that we should be doing. 
things we should be trying to do differently, people we should be nicer to, things we should let go of. I imagine that we would have a number of boundaries and a number of challenges, sacrifices we aren't willing to make, paths we aren't willing to take in our lives because we want to hold on to something, and that's really the crux of it, right? It's the desire to hold on to something other than God. It's the desire to find our identity and our security and our sense of well-being in something other than our relationship with God. And we all have those boundaries and those problems and those limits. We all do, every single one of us. And so in some ways, the invitation of this text and the invitation of sort of this Sunday is to try to have that conversation with Jesus, to realize that he can look at us from beginning to end, know the things we haven't done yet, and pinpoint the places where we lack something. And the invitation is to do that work, to take in that feedback. But here's the good news, right? The good news is that next part of the gospel where it says that nothing is impossible for God. While this text invites us all to do the work and to recognize that on a certain level we are all camels, Again, majestic in some ways, made for a purpose, given gifts in the world, right? I said that about camels at the beginning. True for us too. In some ways we are special and majestic, given gifts to to give to the world, things that only we can do. But at the end of the day, we're all a little too big to fit into the kingdom of heaven, without help at least. And still the gospel says that nothing is impossible for God. And so the, the invitation past sort of doing the work is then to be willing to be transformed by what we think we've heard. Find the things in your life that are the obstacles. Find the places you're not willing to go. Find the things that you hold on to more tightly than you hold on to God and offer them up. Let Jesus work with you on that because nothing is impossible for God. Ours is the God, after all, and we just sang about this in the hymn. Ours is the God who turns water into wine. Ours is the God who brings light out of darkness. Ours is the God who heals the sick and finds ways to bring life out of death. Nothing is impossible for God. So nothing, even within us, is impossible. There's nothing about us that's so bad, so wrong, that it can't be transformed. Nothing about us that's too far gone that can't be saved. Nothing is impossible for God. So this week, I'd invite you to do some of that hard work. Invite Jesus to tell you what it is you lack and have some urgency in that conversation. You don't have to go physically running after him if that's not your thing, but go in your prayer, go pester him a little bit. Go find him. Pester him. Ask him what you lack and don't let him go. Even if he tells you, oh, you know the law, you know what you're supposed to be doing, say, yeah, but I'm, I'm working on that. What else do I lack? And then let him transform that for you. Because nothing is too impossible for God. And camels, though we are, God has done much more amazing things, much more amazing things than finding a way to fit us through the eye of a needle. Amen.